Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Paddler's Playbook, a kayak fishing experience. Brought to you by Mariner Sales, providing the largest selection of kayaks and kayak accessories since 1975. Real sportswear, get out on the water and wear what the guides wear. Galveston Redfish Series, the largest, most affordable redfish series on the Gulf Coast. Sign up today. Pure Fishing, home to the world's most trusted fishing brands. Now it's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle with your host, Drew Turner. What is up, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land? I'm your host, Drew Turner, here at the Mariner Sales Studio. You're listening to the Empty Stringers podcast, where every week we talk about the catching, conservation, and location of redfish. Hold up. What is going on? What's up, man? Dude, what are you doing here? What, Crashing what are you doing your podcast. On... Yeah, you got your own intro music coming in and everything. You're in here crashing crashing my live. Uh, yeah. Guys, if you if you can't tell already, there there's some changes that are happening with the show. There's some uh, um, forces joining together here. And guys, we, we, we're going to announce today on the podcast, me and Matt, you may have seen the Facebook post, the the vague book post that I put up last week about some big news coming um, of some stuff happening in October. And guys, this is what is happening. This is what is happening. The Redfish Network is what's happening. Matt, are you excited about this, dude? I'm excited. It has a nice ring to it. You know, I mean, uh, I love Redfish. I like the Paddler's Playbook. I think it only makes sense that we join forces and pump these episodes out on the network you know so I'm, maybe I'm we should explain to the people what what exactly is happening okay so let's let's just do kind of a little role play Let, let's reenact let's reenact the phone call from about a month ago uh that we had you ready yep all right Ding! that's that's your phone ringing you're supposed to answer Ding! hey what's up drew Hey, Matt, what's up, man? I uh, just got done listening to the Empty Stringers podcast while I'm sitting here working on rods, and I had a great idea. Oh, man, uh, I just got done listening to the Paddler's Playbook, man. What Hit me with your idea. What's up? Okay, so you are a skiff guy that is killing the redfish. I love listening to your show. I enjoy hearing about, you know, the more kind of a, a report that you give about what's going on out there on the water what you're seeing like it's a very different type of show from mine and it's from a skiff man i think that me and you should get together and do like a network type thing man i uh it sounds that sounds like it's a really good deal for me uh because you're kind of already a big deal you know nobody really knows uh about my podcast well, no, I love your podcast. I don't think it's people don't know about your podcast. It's just we're going to be able to share listeners. So your listeners are going to become my listeners. My listeners are going to become your listeners. And, and what we'll end up doing, Matt, is instead of the channel being the Paddler's Playbook, we're going to change the channel name. So when any listeners that I've currently have you know, go to their subscriptions instead of saying the Paddler's Playbook. Now it's going to say 
the Redfish Network, but we're going to upload the Paddler's Playbook episodes and we're going to upload the Empty Stringers podcast episode to the Redfish Network. That way, the listeners get Redfish Talk new episodes like every week. Every yeah, week one, there'll be a new one, either from the Paddler's Playbook or the Empty Stringers podcast. What do you, what do you think about that, dude? Is that something you may be interested in? I, I like the plan. I mean, it's it's two uh, it, it's two podcasts, one location, one channel. It's uh, more Redfish talk. I mean, what's what could go wrong? All right, so this is how we're gonna do it, though. So we're gonna do dual posting for the episodes for like a month. So the Empty Stringers podcast, you guys will still be able to find over at the Empty Stringers page until October 19th. After October 19th, you'll have to go to the Redfish Network to get those. But if you're already subscribed to the Paddler's Playbook, you're going to get both episodes starting with this one. So starting next week, we're going to dual post. Matt's going to post his over at the Empty Stringers. I'm going to post the Empty Stringers and the Paddler's Playbook over here on the newly named Redfish Network. So if you're already a subscriber to the Paddler's Playbook, you will not have to do anything. If you're a subscriber to the Empty Stringers, make sure to search the Redfish Network on Spotify, iTunes, you know, iHeartRadio, anywhere that, that you can find it and go ahead and start because after october 19th that is where you're going to start to find the empty stringers podcast yep click subscribe and we're both going to be there doing our own thing the shows are going to be uh are going to be the same as they have been but we're just combining forces on the network to provide more content in one location and um you know i think it's going to be a cool thing yeah and i think it's it's going to be really cool for the listeners because like i said we have two really different shows they're both redfish oriented i mean you you're like me you're like eh, i catch a trout as a byproduct i don't really go target trout unless some some stuff's happening but you're you know you're starting to get really booked up with your guided trips you're doing it from a skiff your show is more of a what is happening right now on the water as opposed to the paddler's playbook is more you know about tactics and new gear coming out and you know eye cast stuff and different things like that so if you're if you're a if you're a gear junkie if you're a you know you want to talk about the latest kayaks you want to talk about the latest paddles you know the paddler's playbook are going to be the ones that you're going to want to listen to the most but that doesn't mean that you're not going to want to listen to what are the shrimp doing in the marsh right now what are the bait fish doing in the marsh right now? And that's more of the stuff that Matt talks about. Yeah, it's going to go hand in hand. I mean, it's uh, it, it's one of those things where you could probably go back to back and listen to uh, the Paddler's Playbook and then the Empty Stringers podcast, and you're going to just be, become a, a more entertained, well-informed uh, angler, you know, when you're done with both of them. That's the plan anyway. So, guys, if you're if you're commenting, we're doing this live as well. If you're commenting, you have to give StreamYard like a little check mark that says, hey, you can use my profile. But I'm guessing that this comment says, does this mean I have to send Drew Lures also? That's got to be Kevin, right? That's got to be Kevin from Kevin's Outside talking about sending some. No, you do not have to send me (laughs) lures. But if you want to send me some wake baits, I will tie them onto the end of the line. I I will use 
use those wake baits. Um, so guys, if you have any questions about the Redfish Network, send us each a, a private message or, or post up in the comments on what's going on with that. But just to, to break it down one more time before we get into the Redfish talk, because today we are going to talk about schooling redfish and how to attack schooling redfish, how to see them and spot them. But just so you know, you guys get another overview of, of, of what's happening. What is happening is we are joining forces, the Paddler's Playbook, the Empty Stringer Podcast, and we are forming our network called the Redfish Network, where you're going to be able to find both shows and you're only going to have to subscribe to one channel and you will have new Redfish content every single week and i am i'm excited man I, i'm excited like i'm just i may just have to listen to our network like that's it i may i may not have to listen to any other podcast we're gonna be like the uh the redfish netflix you know <laughs> so. there we go maybe we should have called it red flicks no nah, i don't know that, that we probably got sued or something yeah, yeah 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 joey's uh joey's talking here and he, he says he can't he can't wait to tune in congrats Joey's got a new podcast out, Outdoor Chronicles, if you guys want to check that out, if you're into the the camping and, and different overland type stuff that, that he's doing right now. He's, oh, that's uh, cool. He's, yeah, he's doing a new podcast there, and you know he's involved with Heroes on the Water, which, guys, if you've tuned into the last three or four episodes, we've been heavy on Heroes on the Water. We just did a benefit show out there, so that was that was really, really fun. Yes, there there is. Max is asking here, is there still bro staff yes if you're if you're a member of the redfish network you're a member of the bro staff still like we're, we're keeping with the moniker the bro staff it's a positive thing it is not a negative thing to be a part of the bro staff it just means you're our bros you're our bros that love to catch redfish Amen. speaking of redfish i was listening to your show the other day the fall pattern has started matt is it, it it's not like it's not like in full gear yet but but it's started so whenever you're telling me that the fall pattern has started i haven't been on the boat since i was on the boat with you like what was that three weeks ago i've been yeah. on the water since then so what do you mean when you say you can tell that the fall pattern has started well uh, it's really all about um it's all about the birds uh all year long really uh but you know at different times of the year the redfish school in different places and they school under different types of birds. I mean, in the spring and early summer, you've got heavy seagull action. Most of that action uh, in the spring is going to be up against the shores and out in the middle. When you get into the summer, they're going to be under seagulls out in more so out in the middle. You don't see a lot of stuff up against the banks in, um, in the summer. Uh, but it's under it's under seagulls. They're flying low, tight patterns. They're in way back uh, back legs of the marshes, right? That's what you're looking for. As we transition into the dog days of summer, a lot of that schooling starts to fall off. The seagulls start to work. They stop working over the schools of these fish. And I think it has to do with the size of shrimp that we're dealing with. So the shrimp, they get bigger, uh, the white shrimp, and they uh, they exit the marsh. And when they or the brown shrimp, I can't remember right what color they are, but uh, they exit the marsh. The shrimp, uh, look, shrimp. If 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 you know what color shrimp are in there right now, put it in the comments and let us know because I just know they're shrimp because I see it flying out of the water. Exactly, yeah, and, and so they they end up 
leaving you usually have a week or two gap before the big hatch of the of the fall happens and uh so we were kind of in that pattern we the summer pattern ended on the trip that you and i were on uh on that uh on on that thursday i think it was or friday or whatever it was we were out three weeks ago summer pattern kind of ended we had a week or two of it kind of being weird out in the marsh and then uh the fall pattern kicked off and what we look for in the fall as it changes kind of through the fall you'll notice a couple things the least turn uh which is just a small teacup version of the liar bird right uh-huh. So you, you're going to want to look for uh, least turns above shorelines, grassy shorelines, you know, 10, 15 feet in the air. And they'll there'll be two or three of them. They'll be squawking, losing their minds, maybe one or two of them. But they're they're losing their mind. They're looking down at this school of redfish. Usually, if you watch that happen enough, you'll see a snowy egret that is close by. That snowy egret will fly over to where that least turn is sitting uh, and they will start tracking with that school. They'll start following that school. And sometimes uh, it's a couple of egrets and they start playing hopscotch on the bank. But right now it's, it's the least turns early and then the snowy egrets will follow right behind them. Even sometimes you may have like a, you'll see those beautiful red wing blackbirds out in the marsh. They are good redfish spotters too. If you can, if you can watch and see what they're doing, they're sitting in the grass in front of the schools of redfish and they're cackling and making a ton of noise and going crazy. Uh, you don't see them as much, I think, just because there's not as many of them out there. But uh, the least turn is going to disappear on us probably after the first good cold front. Uh, when we get that first really good cold front, the least turns are going to leave. I don't know where they go, but they're kind of done. And then it's going to be snowy egret all the way through december and and the and the least turns they're they're the smaller birds they're they're the smaller white birds that you're probably going to see you know on the shorelines um in the grass you know they're a little smaller and the snowy egrets are, are a little bit bigger birds and you don't see them congregated together as much as the turns like you may see five or six turns but you probably will only see two or three egrets in in one area and if you see egrets close together there are fish close like yeah there's fish there if there's an egret within like if you can cast one egret and cast at the next there's a fish around there somewhere because they're not social birds like they are they're solitary birds same thing with blue herons whenever you see herons out there herons are solitary birds like if there's two of them close there's fish close there. There's something happening. Yeah. And you know, if you're, if you're not sure what a snowy egret looks like, they're white birds. They stand about a foot and a half, uh, tall, maybe two feet tall. That may be stretched and they have a black beak and yellow feet. So if they're wearing yellow shoes, black beak, that's a snowy egret. Uh, don't get them confused with the ibises. The ibises have that curled beak. Um, but Let's talk about the ibis because um, if you get if you have a high tide like we typically have higher tides in the fall, which that's already started to, and when that around the Galveston area when we start to have a falling tide in the morning, that's when the pattern really kicks off. That's when it's really good because those shrimp are up in the grass 
And when that tab starts to fall, it sucks them out of the grass and you'll see the redfish nosing their way up into the grass. Uh, and they're, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna be nosing around that, you know, that grass and they're going to be working slower right now. And they're going to be, uh, working in shorter time increments. So it's going to be, if you see uh, a couple of snowy egrets hopscotching and they are 500 yards from you, that action may be over by the time you get there, but you still should go and you should hang out and wait because they're going to do it again. Yeah. Now it's the, the fish aren't done eating like just, just because the birds aren't, you know, still chasing them down the shoreline or doesn't mean that that school isn't still together because unless me or you are coming up spooking the school, that school is going to stay together throughout the marsh and it's going to swim around until something spooks it. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, I've noticed that as the hatch continues and we get more and more of those little shrimp up in the grass, the schools will work a shoreline for a longer distance they'll circle an island more than once it's just it's too early right now i'm going out tomorrow we'll see what it looks like but i haven't been on the water in a week but the uh but i think we're gonna probably another week or two and it's gonna get to where it's like oh you may have a school that's working a quarter mile of a shoreline you know but right now it's not quite there yet they're they're working for 50 yards and then they're shutting down. That's what I'm seeing at least, you know, I mean, I think it's going to get better and better and better. The schools right now that I'm seeing are like six to eight fish. That's going to grow to, you know, 15, 20 fish uh, in some of these schools. And you'll see that these schools are, are full of fish that are similar in size. If an egret is on a school right now, you're probably dealing with a little bit bigger fish. If you have a school that you spot that has no egrets, no, uh, no turns or anything on them, that might be a school of smaller fish. Okay. And, and it's, it's weird that the size of the bird can sometimes relate to the size of the fish. Like when you see the smaller seagulls and stuff like that on, on, um, stuff in the, in the spring and in the fall, they're usually on trout and they may be on smaller trout, but then when you start to see the bigger egrets and, and and things like that on schools, it's usually larger fish that are in that in that school. And the birds are a great indicator on where you can you know see schools or start to look for schools because when last time that we went, like they were lined up on a whole shoreline, and when I say lined up. They were lined up. It was a hundred yards of birds and it wasn't that many. It was probably like six birds, but there was like every 15 yards, there was a bird sitting there and we sat there and we looked and we didn't see the school for about 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden you could see the school at the very end of where these birds were lined up, start moving up the shoreline. So just because you you know, you get to an area and you don't immediately see the school, that doesn't mean that you should leave that area or you should say, man, that's a lot of single birds sitting there all lined up on that one shoreline. You should probably wait and be patient and then see where the school pops up or which way the school is going to come from or, or what's going on. And that's a main thing when fishing for schooling fish it's very hard to do because you are freaking excited 
whenever you, you see the signs of schooling fish because I don't know about you, but other than seeing, well, I mean, I guess it's it's like amplified time, times 10, but if I'm scrolling through social media or something, when I see a video of a tailing redfish, I'm like, man, like, oh, I got to get, I got to get out on the water. But when I see videos of like 15 tailing redfish, I'm already impatient and I'm not even fishing. I'm sitting like in my office looking at my phone or something like that. And I'm already impatient. But when you're fishing schools, you have to be extremely patient. And from the kayak, it's a little, you're, you have a little bit more maneuverability. Let's I'm slow down. I can't say that five times fast, but you can maneuver a little bit better. Now for you, you have to be extra stealthy and extra um, patient because you've got to set up the whole skiff for this school. And if you miss them or spook them, like you may, you may not get another shot at that, at that same school. Yeah. Patience is everything really. I mean, you, you, you can, you can mess up that opportunity a lot of ways. And, and honestly, like the way you learn is to go mess up a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah. That's what I did. I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I just messed up over and over again until I was like, Oh wait, I should change this. And over, over time you change one thing after the other. And I've gotten to the point now where I'm very particular about uh, where I'll run the boat um, it, it, when I'm full, full throttle out. I mean, I, it's very rare in the early days I would see a school and I would, uh, you know, catch a fish off that school. And then I'd see another school a hundred yards away and I'd fire up the big motor and, you know, go 50 yards and then shut it down. I don't do that anymore because you can turn the action off. You can kill that whole back lake for an hour sometimes. And so it's all about like being patient. I will make a thousand yard pole if I have to. Uh, and I, it's all about where the fish go and not where are they right now, you know, and you try to cut them off at the pass, be, a, be as fast, but as quiet as you can. And then, you know, when you get there, uh, depends on what you're doing. If you're fly fishing, if you're conventional, but the angle of the boat matters, um, you know, the direction of the, that the fish are heading matters. And a lot of people try to pick off and I, I still do it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it, but if you pick that lead fish off of the school, then, uh, then you've, the school is going to blow, right? They're going to, you may catch that fish, but that school is going to, they're going to, they're going to spook off. You're going to have to wait. I have had luck by pure accident sometimes like not getting my cast all the way up to the grass and then realizing that, well, if you're a foot, foot and a half off the grass, sometimes you've got a fish on the outside edge of that school and if you catch that fish, I've seen over and over again, the school will stay together and they'll circle an island or they'll keep going down that shoreline. And uh, I had one day in the marsh that I had a school of fish that was traveling a shoreline. And I, again, happy accident. I caught the, I caught a fish on the outside edge of that school. That school kept going down the shore I power pulled down, landed the fish, released it. And by the time I was back up on the platform, the school was coming back down the shore again. <laughs> I caught four fish off of that school and I never moved the boat because I, I 
pick the, the fish on the outside off every time. That was happened to be a really bright colored school. Yeah, you know, some redfish will be really, you yeah. know, bright pumpkin orange and others will be kind of pale. This was a very pumpkin colored school of fish. So they're easy to see. I was picking these outside fish off. I was I was waiting for a second on the hook set to try not to spook them. Caught four fish and I never moved. They just kept going back and forth up and down the thing. And that doesn't happen all the time. But when it does, you can go from like picking one fish off that school to going, man, I, I maximized, you know, now you don't want to go back and pick on that school again the next day. You want to give them some breathing room because if you yeah. pound a school too much, you'll change their behavior they'll decide that this is not a safe place and they'll, they'll pick up and move, you know? Now, when, when you're saying you're picking them off from the outside edge, are you, are you trying to get like throw middle of the school, but on the outside towards you, like not to the front where you're not leading them too far, where you're going to drag it across and hit that lead fish, but maybe catch, catch one on the far outside uh, lead him a little bit where he's coming and you can pull him towards you and that back fish isn't affected and that front fish isn't affected. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And in, in the lead fish on the schools right now, that lead fish is going to be closest to the grass and he's going to be out in front of the pack. So if a school's moving from right to left, then the fish is going to be nose in the grass, the farthest fish to the left. I'm trying to catch that fish that is, you know, eight inches to a foot off of the grass and maybe middle of the pack. And, uh, and you won't miss him because if you throw and you're about a foot off the grass, you let that school start to pass your lure, pop it up in front of the middle of that school, that fish snags it. You jerk him out of the school and the school just keeps right on going, you know? And, uh, and of course, that sounds good in theory. Uh, I, if I went and tried to do it tomorrow, maybe I may blow the whole thing. You know, I mean, it's just where's your lure going to land? And I can be as accurate as I want to be, but with a school of redfish in front of me, eight inches, and I need to make a cast that is eight inches in, in one way or the other, or else it's wrong, I'm probably going to screw it up, you know? Yeah, I, I'm throwing in the grass in front of the fish. Like, my very first cast the whole time. I'm going to be in the grass in front of the fish trying to get that lead one and pull him out just because I, I'm like, I got to get this fish, got to get this fish. And that gives me the best chance to catch him. Because, like, it's awesome catching fish in schools. But there is nothing worse than being on a school and not being able to catch one of those fish when you see all those fish right in front of you and you either threw out and you spooked them or, you know, you got too close and spooked them or they're seeing your line and they're just spooky. Like there's it's absolutely awesome catching tailing fish, but it's just as bad whenever you spook them. And you can just see like six or seven, eight, nine, ten fish right in front of you. Like that's got to be one of the worst feelings in fishing. Yeah, we were. Uh, so the biggest school of redfish I've ever seen, uh, me and Chris were back in uh, this pond that you can't get to unless the tide is, you know, pretty high. And uh, we, we got back in this pond and saw a school running up against the, the grass shoreline we eased up on it and uh chris threw it one side of it i threw it the other and it was one of those times where like 
I don't know what happened, right? Uh, the bait landed in a funny spot. The fish were spooky that day. I'm not sure. But when they, we thought the school was maybe 10, 12 fish. When uh, they spooked, we saw that it was like a hundred fish. Uh, and and they, they went nuts all around us, uh, scattering, running into the hull of the boat, like making their exit. And we just sat there going like, we knew, I mean, we didn't realize we were blowing such a big opportunity, you know, it's just it fish everywhere, you know, school. but you're going to blow it. I mean, it's, it, it, there are some days where I can hit a redfish on the tail and he turns around and smokes my bait. And mm -hmm. there are other days I can put it a foot in front of him and make him think it's his idea. And he's scared of his own shadow and he, and he runs he, the whole school spooks off, you know, it's just, who knows? Right. I think, I think with redfish in these schools, it, it really is like they get really spooky if you end up having your line touch one of them. Yeah. Because if your line touches one of them, they just lose their mind all of a sudden and they're gone. And I don't know what it is about line because they're going through grass. Like they're feeling, mm -hmm. they're feeling stuff hit them all the time. But if that line runs across their tail or their back, like they are gone. Like they are, they're spooking like crazy. And that topic brings me to something I wanted to ask you. So what is your favorite baits for throwing at schooling fish? Because I know there's some that I stay away from and I'll talk about that in a second, but what are some of your favorites to throw at them? Um, both fly fishing, cause you're getting into fly fishing, fly yeah. fishing and conventional gear. You know, um, I'm going to sound like a completely different human than I was a year ago, <laughs> but, uh, the, a sinking dark colored fly is, I think your best presentation because you can, if you miss the shot, you're picking it right back up. You're putting it right back down. Uh, you have multiple shots at the same school. If you, if you screw it up and if you make a bad cast, you're less likely to spook that school with your fly. So, that would be like if the wind is right, if everything's right and you can throw the fly at them. Perfect. If you can't, I, I throw a three sixteenths ounce jig head with the smallest paddle tail I can find. Um, and so it's usually, you know, I like the down South lure burner shad um, in a variety of different colors. It really doesn't matter what color to me. Uh, it, but if, you're, if I'm going to do that, I just got to put it out in front of them because if you, if you splash it in on top of them, you're, you're going to scare everything, you know? So, but that's my favorite. I don't really venture too far from that. I'm, I Are you throwing regular colors. or weedless? I'll throw regular. I mean, if I'm in Port O'Connor, if I'm doing something like that, I'll do, I'll go weedless, but around Galveston, I'm, I'm throwing a regular. And it, because I, I think it, nice. did I lose you? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think the, the presentation, it, it, you can throw something big if you want, if you like to, you just got to get it out in front of them and uh, you got to think about what they're eating. They're eating tiny shrimp right now. And uh, so I, I think the, the bigger you go, the more of a disadvantage you're at, you know? Yeah. And a, a three inch paddle tail, four inch paddle tail. Like, I think that's as big as, as you need to go. If you're going to throw soft plastics at them, you don't need to go, much bigger than that if you start to go bigger than that it's it's crazy i'll tell you one thing i don't want to throw at schooling fish and that's a 
wake bait. Like they're already mad enough. You're you're not gonna do anything but spook some of those fish if you start throwing a weight bait at schooling fish. And I've learned that the hard way just by having it in my hand as I come up on them and it's the first thing that I cast and I can't be patient and I'll throw that wake bait in there and you are guaranteed to spook some fish. Like you may catch one out of that school, but that school is gonna just it's gonna go off like somebody threw a cinder block in the middle of it if you're throwing a wake bait out there at them. Um, so don't throw a wake bait, and I don't like throwing a top water anywhere near a school because of the same thing. Um, the The fish usually take that top water, they take off with it, and then for some reason it seems like they get the line will go through the whole the whole school, and then they all spook off. Um, so I will never really throw a, a top water or a wake bait at any kind of schooling fish. I always want to throw a soft plastic at them. Yeah, there. I mean, there's nothing better than a wake bait eat or a topwater eat. I mean, that that's that's the most fun way to catch, you know, uh, any kind of fish, especially a redfish. But you're right. Like I, I just, I had so many redfish. Uh, I, when I first started fishing, um, really focusing on redfish, I threw topwater, 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 because I wanted that phenomenal eat. You know, I wanted that like crazy eat. And I had so many fish bat the topwater up with their tail, especially schooling fish. Mm -hmm. They smack it with their tail and they knock it two feet in the air. They, uh, you know, the, I, I just had so many, my hookup rate was so terrible that I was like, all right, um, that's going to be for a different time of year, a different kind of thing. And I just started throwing, you know, the paddle tails and, and here recently the, the flies, but I still, I still suck at that. I'm still getting getting better at it. <laughs> well, and, and I think we're on the same page as well. You're throwing straight to braid. Like we're not putting we're not putting leaders in there. We're not spending time trying to get an FG knot on there with some mm -mm. fluoro or anything else. Like I've I've had success with fish just putting braid on there, even in clear water, even down in Port O'Connor and stuff. I, I I've done it. I think face this Facebook user says, "Man, I've thrown a popping cork in a school, and they ate the cork and the gulp. <laughs> so, so they went after both of them. I've had that happen. I I haven't had it in schools, but I've been throwing a popping cork on a shoreline and had a redfish just come demolish my cork and not touch the uh, not touch the bait at all. Um, yep. I know. I know you. You you're not a, you're not a big cork guy, so." We don't we don't have to worry about you throwing a cork out there. If you're throwing a cork, it's it's been a challenging day, right? If I'm throwing if you see me throwing a cork, I've got kids on the boat or I'm in a tournament that I that I have got to weigh something in and it's blowing 30 miles an hour outside and I need I need some relief from that, you know. I mean that, it, even then, I mean I've had days where I've just thought, well, it just ain't going to happen today, but I ain't throwing a cork. You know, <laughs> I just well, don't if, like to do it. If I know it's going to be windy or something, it is going to get to the point where I'm just like, man, this sucks, but I need to catch a fish. Then I'll throw the cork on there and throw the cork. Or if it's tournament day, you know, I'll yeah. throw the cork out there on tournament day. But it's it's my last resort. I would I would rather sight cast redfish all all day long, like all day long, all day long. Yeah. All right. And the so cork we, works. We I talked. Mean, to it's fine. Yeah, and we talked about birds. Um, birds are a great way to find these fish. 
um, or what area they're they're gonna be at. But there's also you know some some open water ways to spot to spot fish, and that's a little bit more tricky. It's a, it's a little bit harder to find some of the open water. Now, can you talk about the difference between you know some people who li- who listen may not know what the lyre birds are and you know a seagull may look different like what is the difference between a lyre bird and a seagull and if you're looking at open water in the in the fall what type of birds are we looking for in the open water so what i have seen what you'll see this time of year is like the there's not just redfish schooling in the marsh they're schooling out in the middle of the bay uh in you know middle of west bay east bay out in the six foot deep water, eight foot deep water, you know, whatever they'll school out there and they're, they're eating shrimp just like the, the fish in the marsh are. Um, a lot of it is, is the, the shrimp that have begun to flush out. Right. So they're, they're, uh, they're flushing out of the marsh. They're eating those bigger shrimp or the hatchet just happened, uh, around the grassy edges of some of the, the larger areas of the bay. They'll be on those, but if they're out in open water, this time of the year, uh, a lot of times, um, you're, you're not going to see a ton of seagulls on them yet that that's going to come, but it's probably going to be, if it's happening right now, I'd be shocked. I think it's probably going to be another two or three weeks before you see a uh, big Once flock get of gulls. a really good cold front. Yeah. You get a really good cold front and those, and those shrimp have their first flush out. You're going to see, uh, seagulls in more of main lake areas. They're going to be over trout. If they're flying high, they're on redfish if they're flying low. Um, and sometimes it's the only indicator. It depends on how deep the water is. But your your turns are going to be your smaller birds. Uh, they, they look a lot like a seagull, but they're smaller. And if you're trying to gauge it from the distance, a seagull's wings flap a lot slower. A turn will flap his wings a lot more often. And the seagull will have dark uh, they're, they're kind of a darker color on the, on the top side of their wings. So when you see the wing flap down and it's dark, you can know, okay, that's a little bit bigger bird. I see dark on their wings when they flap down. That's a, that's a seagull. It's time to go. If you see a group of turns, regular size turns out over the top of the water, it's hit or miss, right? You may go get into some trout. I've done it. But you may be into some gaff top too. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. it may be gaff top, it may be trout, it could be redfish. Like you never know with them. If they're smaller birds, you definitely know it's probably it's probably gonna be gaff top. And you're just gonna sit there and throw a lure at that all day long and not catch anything, but maybe pull back some slime every once in a while on, yeah, the, and on it, the end, and then you know, ah, yep, that that was it. Yeah, and if you get into trout out there, it's usually uh, smaller trout on the the turns. Like if you see turns going nuts and they're huddled up in a group, and you go out there and it's not gaff top, you're looking at nine inch trout all day long. You know, yeah, or ladyfish. And, and one thing it, it it takes a little bit of time to really put it all together and realize when we're talking about when these fall patterns are starting, it's not all the time related to the temperature outside. It, it correlates together with the temperature because when just because the way our tides work here on the Texas coast, and it could be completely different where you're at, 
just because the way the tides work, we're going to start to see stronger tides. Like the tides Mm -hmm. during the summer are really weak tides, but it's just the way that the earth is set up where, you know, we are not at at, at the proper tilt. And I don't want to get too scientific here, but you you can find a YouTube video that explains it, but we're, we're not in the proper area of, of orbit for us to have a stronger tide. And every year, every year in the wintertime, you always see the post about, oh, the bull tide came, all the water's gone. I've never seen it this low before. If you just go back in your Facebook memories, you will see the water that low before just last year. So as as we start to transition from summer where we see our, you know, our tides not moving hardly at all to the dead of winter where we see our strongest tidal movement along with a north wind, which is why we see that that big dump. That's why the spring and the fall, we have such good fishing because in the fall, we start to get those stronger tides. We start to get a one foot to one and a half foot movement of water where all summer we may have got eight inches. We may have got six inches. Um, we're getting a foot to two foot as the fall goes on. And like you keep saying, it's pulling those shrimp out of the marsh like that. That's the thing that has to happen. And it just so happens that when the tides start doing that is usually when the cold fronts start moving in, the temperature starts to cool off a little bit. It's not like the shrimp are like, Hey, it's colder now. We got to go. No, it's, it's the, the, the water is forcing them out of that grass and the redfish know it and the redfish are ready to eat and it takes a little time to put that together like sometimes you're just like oh well it's cold they should be biting now well no did we get an early cold front is this a late cold front like what is the tide doing is it is it a really good tide and it took me a good five ten years to realize why that's happened yeah and your your uh your semi-diurnal tide is is gonna just be tougher to fish it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna have that one tide of the day that isn't quite as high and it isn't quite as low and and you always want to try to fish that major tide of the day but the problem with the major tide of the day for me it's it's always in the evening whenever i can't fish it right or it's in the middle of the night and so in the fall you're right we're gonna have you'll see on this next it already started with the last moon cycle but with this next moon cycle we're gonna start the falling tide uh early in the morning and right now the curve is still a little kind of rounded you're going to start to see a steep drop out and uh that that really fast falling tide in the morning uh for the west bay area that i fish is is going to be the ticket you know like that's going to be that's going to be what really turns it on you know you couple all the things together the days are getting a little shorter the the temperature is cooled off just a a tiny bit and if you can couple a west wind any type of west southwest Northwest, it doesn't matter if you couple it. I don't care if it's blowing eight, 10, 12 miles an hour. If you couple it with that outgoing tide, it's just money. Uh, usually, you know, it'll probably be what happens tomorrow and I'll get skunked because I said that. But no. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what does that west wind do? Like, why, why does the west wind help with that? It's the direction of our of our jetties. So if you if you look at our uh, if you look at our our jetties and and our and our passes, a lot of them are, are aimed a little more east west than they are north and south. So it depends on where someone's fishing, right? So mm-hmm. if you uh, if you if you have wind blowing straight up and down those jetties, 
it's going to accelerate the incoming or the outgoing based on what direction. And um, ours just happened to be, uh, you know, an east wind and an incoming tide really pumps up the the tide in the Galveston area. A west wind, um, even some people think, well, if it's south, it cancels it out. And, that, and that's not true. You can have a southwest wind uh, stunt an incoming tide if it's blowing really hard. And you can have it accelerate an outgoing tide if it's blowing really hard. And, and when I say really hard, I mean, it's got to blow for it to be coming out of the south and and the west. You probably need it up around the 18 to 20 mile an hour to really make a difference. But yeah, if uh, you know, if I can catch a north uh, west and it's only 10, 12 miles an hour, I know it's still going to do enough to kind of just that ever so ever so slight you know acceleration of the outgoing tide it uh you'll see it not last uh as long on a southwest on a northwest if your outgoing tide is going to end at noon watch it it won't stop until one o'clock it just lasts longer yeah Uh, because it's just sitting there blowing and blowing and blowing and blowing And, and you won't we won't see very many you know very much of that south wind unless we get um unless we get a storm in the gulf and stuff coming up like the 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 winds that we're going to really start seeing if if it gets up and moving is going to be like a, a northeast wind or a northwest wind from from storms coming through or systems coming through or high pressure systems coming down um, it'll start to funnel some of it from a south wind, but we won't see the same type of stuff that we see in the summertime where we're getting yeah. 20, 25 mile an hour south, southwest winds coming in. If, if you guys don't already completely understand the way tides work, do some research, get on YouTube, watch, watch some actual science videos, not just fishermen talking about that but watch some scientists talk about the way the tides work and it will really help you understand what's going on in the bays where the water's going why the water's going that way why certain things happen at certain times of years and it 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 really takes putting in a little bit of time to really have an open mind and, and understand the way that water's coming out and coming back in and it's just it's to me it's it's really weird and it's really odd that it's it's like the gravitational pull making the the world's bodies of water almost like an egg and pulling it all to one side and then pushing it back and and things like that. It's really really cool. Well, we got it on a little tangent about about tides there and uh, open water fish. You can really look for the birds, but you can also look for because the shrimp are bigger this time of year you may be able to catch shrimp coming out of the water like it you may think it's a mullet and it's a it's a table size shrimp and if you see that when you're in open water you need to start throwing and start throwing quickly because there are fish there the shrimp are not they're not like mullet they're not just jumping out of the water just to jump out of the water if a shrimp is coming out of the water something is chasing it because shrimp want to walk around shrimp want to walk around they want to cling to things they don't just like swim around like uh like mullet and stuff do so if you happen to catch out of the corner of your eye if you're like that wasn't a mullet that was a shrimp you want to stay and you want to fish that area and you want to just look for nervous water 
that is moving or or it could be the opposite because those fish are sitting there eating shrimp there's oils going into the water you may see something that's a little slicker out there in in more open water and you want to kind of fish that slick and that slick usually they talk about trout because trout will regurgitate a lot of the a lot of the shrimp when they're eating but redfish will do it too you can see a, a slick when it's redfish oh yeah and you know i don't chase a lot of open bay open water schools that much mainly because usually the wind is uh is not doing me any favors you know on that but we've had some calm mornings and uh you know even in deep water a lot of times uh you can get you can get a school that's up on top um you know with the shrimp doing what they're doing now it's uh it's gonna be you know shallow water is for me it's the easiest way to go just because the the schools are uh you know they're down there where the shrimp are and the shrimp like to hang around on the bottom you know all right drew just texted me oh okay um so uh Drew will be back in a minute. Um, my last trip out before I went on vacation, went on family vacation to Canada, uh, went to Banff and did the, did the hiking and, and, um, all that stuff golfed, uh, super cool. Um, the, uh, trip that I, I went on right before I left those two trips caught my first redfish on the fly. And then the next day caught my second redfish on the fly. And right before I left those two trips, most of that is because i um i'm pretty bad at it and uh and i was able to just get uh get a, a school going down the shoreline and i was able to put a fly in front of it it's just easier this time of year than it is any other time of year so if you want to get into the fly thing like i did now is a great time to do it because you're in a target rich environment you can uh you can be not very accurate and still get you know a hookup and so it's a confidence builder too once you catch a couple of fish on the fly i'm like oh man i'm gonna do this all the time you know it's a it's not not too hard and uh practice makes perfect i was out with mark uh stout uh listens to my podcast uh it runs a sabine skiff we fish a lot of the same areas and um we got out there together and he's a fantastic fly caster i learned a lot just watching him and um we caught a lot of fish that morning and it was the first morning that I realized like, all right, the pattern is really on. It's really doing what it's supposed to do in the fall. And it's not doing that everywhere yet. It's not, there are some areas that there's a marsh um, that I fish a lot in the springtime and in the fall it's dead. Uh, I hardly ever even go back there because it's just, it's not happening. Uh, I don't know why that is, but I noticed too, that like in the fall, the shrimp are hatching in similar areas that they did last year. The fish are migrating into similar areas than they did last year. It just becomes this thing where it's predictable, you know? And so, uh, Drew, are you okay over there? You all right over there? I'm good now. <laughs> I had some spicy Italian sausage that was not agreeing with me. I had to jump off, and then I almost flew across my rod building shop in this rolly chair. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all good. I was like, oh, man, his house is on fire. Oh, no. I saw a funny comment, though, just now. Um, 
our man Jonathan from the One Last Cast podcast, he said, uh, now that both shows are on the Redfish Network, he he feels like he should be able to catch a uh, redfish in a puddle now. So he, he's got yeah. enough information coming from both of us that he's going to be able to catch redfish in a puddle. You're going to be able to catch redfish off a drainage ditch. Like, we're going we're gonna to teach you that. Yeah, that's it. And if you don't, uh, it's all our fault, and uh, you just have to have to keep listening. I, I've heard I continually say things on my podcast and then have to go back and correct myself uh, because early on, like, uh, I was – Sometimes I, I get dumb and I say things like, oh, this never happens. And then the next trip out, it'll happen. And I'm like, well, nobody's got it figured out. You know what I mean? No, just when you think that you have it figured out, like, we don't have it figured out. Like, next time you see a school, they're not going to hit anything but a topwater. Like, that's going yeah. to be all that they want. That's usually the, the type of stuff that happens. Brendan wants to know when I'm going to learn about spicy foods. Look, man, this, so it, it's been a long time. Well, I say a long time. It's been since I went out on the boat with Matt. Uh, and that was a funny story. I don't know if I got to tell that story. Uh, you told it on your show, but I didn't get to tell it yet. But since we're talking about schools, this is a, this is a funny story to tell about schools. So when me and Matt were on our last trip, I'm like, it was probably what, like nine o'clock? It might yeah. be nine, nine thirty. It was like yeah. nine, nine thirty. And, you know, we're polling along and you know, we're not really fishing and we're just polling. And there's this area that looks like it's got some pretty compact area. Like if you need to get off the boat, this is this is the place to do it. And I saw it and I'm like, Well, it's not that bad but I don't want it to get to the point where it's that bad. I'm like, hey, Matt, you, you think you can just inch me up to the shoreline so I could I could get off and go to the bathroom? And you're like, sure, man, yeah, this is, this is a great place to do it if you're going to do it. So I get off the boat, I start walking, and you're starting to turn the boat around because uh, you don't want to just sit there and watch me. Yeah, give and you then, a privacy. Yeah, and I look up the shoreline, and no joke, 75 yards in front of us, I'm like, Matt, you're not going to believe it. There's a school of fish coming on the other side of this 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 little island that we're at. And you're like, really? And I say, yeah, yeah. So you get off, and you go look, and you're like, sure is a school. You want your rod? Like, how, how, how bad do you need to go to the restroom right now? And I'm like, well, I can catch a fish out of this school, and then I can go. So it was, it was a cool video that you got because we went back to the boat. We grabbed the rod, or I grabbed my rod. I threw out there. And it's it was a lot harder than I thought trying to catch a school from the dang island. Because they're at your I'm, feet, basically, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're right there. You can't really pick one off the end. Like, you either got to get the front one or the back one. If you try to pick one off the middle, you're just going to come through all of them. But it, it was pretty cool, and I think that if we would have just not thrown at them, they would have went right past us without even knowing that we were there. Like, yep. they would have had absolutely no clue that we were there. But it was pretty cool. You got a, you got a cool video that we got off to, or I got off to use the restroom, and it's just like it was one of those days where everything was going right that morning. Like we had three redfish by seven ten or seven fifteen. Yeah. We had, we had had redfish in the boat. I think my second cast of the day, we caught a we caught a redfish that I mean I was just blind casting 
at a point and we caught a fish. So the fishing gods lined up that day because me having to go to the bathroom, the fishing gods led a whole school of smaller redfish right to us on that island. That was a well, pretty cool story. That That's something I'm going to remember for a while. Well, we had just caught a uh, fish off of a school on the other side of the, the island. The other side of the island, yeah. It was like, oh, yeah. school coming down the bank. We caught a fish off of it. And then you're like, all right, cool. Before we leave here, I'm going to hop off. You hopped off. There's another school coming down the thing. I mean, it was it was crazy. That was crazy. It was on the other side. Um did you have the spicy Italian again when you went on the boat? No, no spicy Italian when I went on the boat. I think you just, just got like, like you kind of like me. You kind of got like you got some gut issues that uh, that are have been left unaddressed. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, no, I addressed them last year. So last last December, would you put ranch dressing on them or what? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like I seriously, I thought. I thought I might have had cancer. Like that's how they did biopsies and stuff. Oh, you were telling so me about this about the polyp. I finally, I finally, yeah, I finally went and had a colonoscopy done, and they found like twelve to thirteen. I can't remember if it was twelve or thirteen polyps inside my intestines, and one of them was twenty millimeters. So that's about the size of you know your thumb from the knuckle up. And your intestines are, are not that big. So anytime that got inflamed, it was like evacuate the entire system quickly. And it was really, really red and inflamed. It was bleeding. Like it was, it was bad. So now it's not, it's, it's, it hasn't been that bad guys. I have not had to like pull over at a, at a gas station. Like, I don't think I'm going to make it. Like I, I've had times where I'm like, man, I've planned my routes around which gas stations I know are going to be open and nobody's going to be there. But now it's just like, it was one of those things. I just had to go. It wasn't, I, I wasn't like in a rush. I didn't have to like go off the back of the boat. I just felt like I needed to go. I didn't want to be uncomfortable for the whole day. And there was a, my boat may be unlucky there. Uh, for that too. You know, like I'm my boat may have some kind of bad juju on it. Like uh, that's because after my issue the week before that with the client on the boat, and then yeah, your boat so, needs a colon cleanse. Well, <laughs> we I, I'm to gonna wash it with something different. I mean, I just need to. I need to. I don't know something. Get it some sage good. and. Sp- go around the whole boat with some sage and and I, mean, I bet there's somebody in louisiana that could put some kind of voodoo hex good voodoo on, on your boat to make it where nobody has to go to the bathroom on the boat a lot of like that, that stuff from louisiana is part of the problem too though you know oh well, that's true you may have some bad stuff. louisiana juju mud on there or something yeah, I don't, uh, my gut is sensitive. I, I don't eat anything in the mornings. I drink a cup of coffee. That's it. And then when I come off the water, 12, 1 o'clock, I'll, I'll eat something, but I'm not eating, um, because it's just, you know, it's a science experiment and I've kind of got predicted it and I'm not, I'm not messing with it till after lunch, you know? I'm telling you, I go. Go go see the doctor, man. Let him do that colonoscopy if you haven't had one already. I, I wish I would have done it because when whenever they did it and they said they had to take a biopsy. So whenever you're dealing with your gut and you, you have any kind of polyps or anything like that, it is a tenfold risk of cancer once the polyp gets beyond eight millimeters. Wow. I had 
four that were over eight millimeters and the biggest was 20. So I, whenever they told me that I'm 39. Oh man. I was scared to death that I had cancer. I was like, that's it. That's, that's why my stomach's been so messed up for so long. I've got cancer now. So I went Ugh. and the, luckily the biopsies came back. They're, they're fine. There's, there's no cancer or anything. And my gut has been a thousand times better, like a thousand times better. Unless I just really eat like crap. And today I ate like crap. Like I ate that's, really bad. today. That's kind of my problem is like, I, if I take care of it and I eat right, it's, it's better, but I'm, I'm 40. I guess I should go get the camcorder and mag light and all that stuff go, shoved in there. Go do it. It's not that bad. Like, there's probably tons of listeners that have had it done. The prep is the worst part. Like, the prep is terrible. That's that's very terrible. The actual deal. I mean, you're under. You don't feel nothing. You just wake up hungry. What? Yeah. Well, what about when you wake up the next day and you're like, "Oh, are you sore for like a day or two or what?" No, you're not sore at all. Like that thing is itty bitty. Like you're you're going to the bathroom more than anything that hurts that. Like yeah. It's not, it's not bad at all. I mean, your throat okay. may be a little scratchy from them, uh, putting the breathing stuff down, down oh, your throat okay. and everything. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Damn, I don't no, want to go they're not going far. both ways. No. Well, sometimes, you know, they'll go through the, the, the mouth and, and the bottom. You just got to make sure they go through the, the mouth first before they go through the bottom and they don't use the same tube. That's the oh, only thing man. you got to watch out for. Make sure they don't use the same camera. Yeah, but, that's... um, yeah. Speaking of redfish, uh, <laughs> Since, since we got way, over we got 40 way, medical way off track. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I think that's what most of our listeners are like, man, I'm 36. I probably They're should like, go get that man. checked out too. There's, oh, yeah. I don't think we got the, uh, we don't have the, the ear now that we're an hour and two minutes in, we don't have the ear of the, the 20 year olds, the they young bucks. They checked they're out, they're yeah. done with us after. Yeah, they they checked out already. Our, our demographic is the thirty five to forty five range. They're the ones that are really listening. Yeah, Brendan, you don't have to worry, man. If if there's no problems, but I'm telling you, if you start to have any any changes, any problems, you should go get it. Go get it checked out. It's, it's better it's get it checked out really than worry not about that it. Bad. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. Exactly. I was thinking, you know, while we were talking, and I know you don't have the answer for this, and and nobody does. I wonder what makes the lead redfish in the school, the lead redfish in the school. Like, is it just the hungriest one? Is, is, it, is it the one that's the fastest swimmer? Like, why are they following that lead redfish in that school? I, I, I wonder what makes it happen. I, I, so I, no I, I at least I have, have a theory theories. on it. My, okay. my theory uh, is Let me that, hear your theory. Yeah, so my I have watched, I watched a school come together one time. Uh, it was you know, late October last year, we'd had a good cold front and, and the water was clear and I could see, I could see it starting to happen in this back of this cut. And it was just the fish that was first. It was the fish that was starting to feed first. They were edging their way down the grass. A few shrimp popped out. Another redfish is like, Hey, what's going on over there? And then they go a little further down Another redfish joins them. Before you know it, you have five or six redfish, and it's really just the one that started the feeding and pushing down that grass line first uh, and got lucky because there was shrimp on it. You know, I, that's at least what I think. You know, I don't think it's like an alpha male thing, but it could be, you know, who knows? 
maybe it's the alpha female maybe it's it's the the bigger female is leading the pack and the guys are just like well if mama's eating i'm gonna go eat with her like she she knows where the good food is she knows where the big shrimp is like i'm I'm following her that's not a bad idea either like just follow wherever she's going she probably knows where good food is and it's not going to tear your stomach up and everything else but Man, you yeah. got it. You got anything else you want to talk about with schools here? I mean, we've we've talked about kind of how to locate them, some do's and don'ts. Um, I can't think of too too much with schools. We talked about you know why schools are are starting to happen with with the the bait getting flushed out from some of the grass and things like that. But do you have anything else burning that you want to talk about when it comes to schools? I would just say that um, if you're gonna if you're going to go out for like our typical listeners are going to go out uh, and they're going to fish, you know, once or twice a month, right? If they're lucky and they got a job that will let them, they're going to, maybe they get to fish three or four times a month, but there's still a lot of days between those fishing trips. Those redfish are going to migrate in a certain direction through these marshes. And when you go out and you find a school on a Saturday and then you go out next Saturday, go back to the same place you saw them schooling, and then shut it down and get up and look and look for the shorebirds, look for the look for the um, the egrets, uh, look for the um, the curly beaked ones. I forgot their name. Uh, look for the shorebirds, and then push yourself over to to that area because they may have moved. 200 yards in a week. They may be in the exact same spot that they were just on an opposite bank. They're going to exhaust that area before they move. And because of that, don't go tell every fishing buddy you have where that's happening because everyone in your crew is going to go beat up on those redfish and they're, you, they're just going to get shut down. It's going to change their behavior, you know? And so that's why I always like to have different areas. If I, if I see a group schooling and there's two or three schools in this area, I'll go find another area and then I'll go find another area because I want to be able to go, you know what? I was here yesterday. I'm not going back there. I'm going somewhere else tomorrow. And next week I'm starting out in a whole different place because I don't want to, I don't want to influence their behavior in a negative way. I want to sneak in, catch a couple fish and sneak out, you know? So just a word of caution there. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. And, oh, and most of the time, you're 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 working from the back of the the marsh out, aren't you? On at this time of year, or not necessarily? Well, it it all depends on weather and water levels. So if it's if the if the tide is high, uh, I'm going back. I'm gonna find a foot of water, uh, no matter where that is. If it's way in the back. I'm going to go back there. If it's in the front because the tide fell out and we had a weird low tide, I'm going to go find about a foot of water. I'm going to find grass that has flooded uh, water in it. And I'm going to wait for that tide to suck the shrimp out of that grass. Uh, so shorebirds, flooded grass, about a foot of water. Those are your three main components. And if you show up in that foot of water and you see a hundred mullet jumping around everywhere, leave. Don't waste your time. Uh, don't visit the mullet farm this time of year in the summertime. And in the winter, sometimes that works. Uh, 
But if you see a ton, ton of mullet in an area, you maybe even fish the other side of the back lake and do well. But you're not going to catch a ton of redfish where there's a million mullet everywhere. Yeah, it, they're just, and, and even if you see some redfish, they, they don't want whatever you're throwing at them. They can go eat a million mullet, like, if they wanted to. Like, don't don't waste, waste your time with it. I like this. Plenty of fish to go around this time of year. Everybody is a hero in the fall. That is true. There is plenty of fish to go around. But don't don't let everybody know where the schooling fish are. Like, kind of let them go. Let them go work. That's half the fun is finding it yourself. Like it's 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 fun to to know where fish are and know that they're there. But I think all fishermen kind of have that sense of I want to do this myself. Like I yeah. want I want to find my fish. I want to get out there and, and find my fish. Now, Matt, before we get off here, I just wanted to you know. You know, if if you guys are just tuning into the live or you know you fast forwarded through the first part of the show just to kind of give a recap on on what's going on as you you see in the top right there guys the redfish network is now going to be the name of the podcast channel so the podcast channel will be the redfish network you will still be able to find the paddler's playbook episodes on the redfish network but we are going to add in the empty stringers podcast with matt matt's going to be doing a weekly show um most of the time you know it may not be it might not be every single week but uh, when he's not doing it every single week i'm gonna drop an episode there so every week you will have a new some new content from either the paddlers playbook or the empty stringers podcast on the redfish network so every week you will have something to listen to I can't guarantee that every single thing is going to be about redfish because I like catching flounder too. I like doing kayak stuff. You're going to get, you're going to get a little mix of both. You're, you're not going to get everything strictly redfish from the paddler's playbook. And I'm sure with Matt too, you're not going to get everything strictly redfish from the empty stringers podcast. He had an episode on the other day uh, with his wife and they were, they were talking about different things. So Although we are redfish centric, the whole network is not going to be nothing but redfish shows. There's going to be a little bit in there for everybody. But if you want to get better at catching redfish or you just want to hear people who think they have it kind of figured out, talk about catching redfish, then the Redfish Network is going to be the place for you. If you already subscribe, to the paddler's playbook you do not have to do anything at all all you have to do is get ready to listen now if you are an empty stringers subscriber he is still going to post on the empty stringers page his new episodes until october 19th and on october 19th that is when everything is going to only be posted on the redfish network so make sure that you start migrating over to the redfish network over the next month we wanted to give you guys ample time to you know get, get the listeners that are empty stringers listeners over to to the redfish network page and man i'm really excited about this i i really think that this is going to, to grow both of our shows together this is going to grow the network this is a I mean, I, I hate to say stuff like we're going to grow the community but i think this is going to be a good resource for 
the community to uh, to go to one place to find good quality content on redfish, on Gulf Coast fishing, on skiff fishing, on kayak fishing and things like that. So I'm really excited about this, man. Yeah, I am too. I think it's going to be cool. I'm excited. Uh, I really appreciate just the opportunity to be a part of it. And, uh, and it's going to be cool. You know, if you're new, uh, to, to me and the Empty Stringers podcast and you have no idea who I am, um, that's okay. I'm, I'm a guy that's just trying to figure it out just like you guys are. Uh, I'm a part-time fishing guide. I run trips every Thursday and Friday out of uh out of galveston west bay um you can find me on instagram at uh, empty stringers um or tick or empty underscore stringers and then tiktok empty stringers you can shoot me an email at uh empty stringers at gmail and uh you can visit my website cappedmattparish.com two r's in parish and um I'm excited, man. We're going to do cool stuff. I, uh, I feed off of your energy. I think you have a great podcast and, uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to learn about the podcast thing too. Cause I'm still quite the newbie when it comes to that. Oh man, we'll, we'll get it together. And guys, I am, I am trying to coordinate a bro staff meetup. Um, I've just got a lot going on with football, fall baseball, and everything. I need to get all that figured out. It's Salt Side Justice's birthday coming up. There's some some really good tournaments coming up. I've got to figure out a date that would work for everybody for a meetup. It may not be able to do. We may not be able to do a big overnight meetup this fall that may have to wait till the spring but we'll definitely do like a boat ramp meetup where all the bro staff can show up in their kayaks and everything and we'll we'll get out there and hit the water this fall go go chase after some schools catch some redfish catch some flounder things like that I'll, I'll definitely get that set up but you need to go follow the redfish network join the group over there on facebook um on instagram i'm gonna change the paddlers playbook page to the redfish network here pretty soon as well i'm gonna flip that over so all the info that you guys want to find for the paddlers playbook you're going to be able to find that at the redfish network page you're also going to be able to find any updates from the empty stringers page like i'm gonna we'll repost everything from him over there at the redfish network so get with us on social media we got some changes happening but they're they're exciting changes and i, I think they're going to be beneficial to to the community if you are the listening type if you, if you still like to listen to podcasts everybody seemed to be into podcasts during covid and it seems like it's kind of it's kind of leveled off a little bit but but the podcast listeners i think are always going to be podcast listeners they they like this form of content um, and they're going to be with us. And I, I just, I hope that we can get some more people engaged with this network because Matt, you know, as well as I do, whenever you're going to listen to a podcast, sometimes all I'll put in is redfish and, and see, and see what pops up or see if anything new pops up. So I'm excited that when people do do that, me and you are going to be the first voices that they get to hear. So that, that'll yeah. be, that'll be a great thing. Yeah, but man. I anyways, think cool. man, you got anything else before we get out of here? Just thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. And um, let's do it again. All right, guys. Next week, 
Look for the next episode of the Empty Stringers podcast dropping, and then the week after that, you will get a brand new Paddler's Playbook episode on the Redfish Network. Guys, we're getting out of here. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Go catch some fish.